going on, geeks? You're listening to a very special episode of Geeks or Grace podcast. My name is Cody Armour, and I am joined by Chris Gwaltney. You did it, man! Wow, first time on the last name too. I, I was, I was, it's I've been listening to some name. of your podcasts to like get the day. I was like, what, what is it? I would play it back a little bit. <laughs> did your research? Yes, definitely have to do that. <laughs> i usually just tell people like just be confident just go for it and if you screw it up at least you did it confidently and i can appreciate that i had a pastor we did this big event we we're volunteering and he was like you just if someone asks you a question you don't know the answer to answer it with confidence and we'll back you up <laughs> but if, like, all right man <laughs> that's what i tell people about um like being a musician, in my experience, mm-hmm. it's like 80% confidence. <laughs> and if you just, especially like, I mean, if you're in a performing context, I mean, mostly I've been in like a worship leading kind of thing, but like in a performance context, even if you're playing the easiest crap, just make it look like it's the hardest thing you've ever done and okay. people eat it up. Like it's just, it's all confidence, man. Nice. Starting the podcast off with some advice. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Unsolicited. So you have been part of Game Church for many years. Uh, you are now, I think many years. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later, as well as you're now CEO of Love Thy Nerd. We technically call it CEN because I'm the chief executive nerd. Okay. Uh, we tried to have fun with our titles a little bit, but cool. yes. Awesome. And we're going to be talking a lot about that in a little bit, uh, but... The overarching uh, idea to me is that you've been in ministry for quite a while. When did you get your start in ministry work? So um, pretty much my entire adult life. I'm 32 now. um, And I started doing ministry even when I was in high school, um, doing kind of the youth group thing. And um, I got into like music and uh, leading worship, Uh, kind of made my way up through that. And then I moved, I grew up in Indiana. I moved from Indiana to Arizona with my old youth pastor and we planted, uh, we planted a church in Arizona Cool. and I was the kind of worship slash associate pastor at that church for about seven years. Uh, So I did that, you know, full time there. And then from there I moved here to California and worked with Game Church full time for four and a half years. Um, so yeah, pretty much however many years that is. I don't know, a uh, long time. And have you grown me. up in the church, or did you kind of come toward when? When did that happen? Yeah, I did not grow up in the church. I mean, I all my parents are not like practicing Christian or anything like that. I mean, okay. my mom. Well, she would probably say that she is ish, maybe. Um, she's kind of like, you know, will pray or like says that she believes in God, but it's not really like a big part of her life. My dad definitely not. Okay, uh, yeah. My dad grew up Catholic, um, pretty strict Catholic family, and that was kind of my experience. Is like my cousins would get baptized, and so we'd go to like Catholic mass, and it's very kind of scripted, liturgical. You know, stand up, sit down. Uh, do these different things. So my experience of church growing up was pretty like boring, honestly. Fair enough. Um, and then it wasn't till I was probably, I don't know, 13 or 14. I had a friend who was a part of like a non-denominational church in our hometown. He invited me to like some youth group stuff. And um, 
And that was cool because it was like, you know, we had fun. We hung out with people and they talk about this Jesus guy sometimes. Yeah, at that age, and it's like it's something to do. Yeah, it was uh, – I think that was my primary motivation for it was friends and community <laughs> and belonging to something. I don't think that's necessarily a bad starting place. Um, but it did eventually morph into more of a purpose, um, more of a like there's something more to life than just paying bills and dying. Um <laughs> So, yeah, probably when I was around, I think, 15 or 16 is when I got baptized. And really, my my faith when I was that age, I don't think it was inauthentic, but it was very immature. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very, you know, kind of, I just sort of mimicked what I saw other people doing that I thought were spiritual. Okay, yep. you know, this guy plays guitar and sings on stage and that looks really spiritual, so I'm going to do that. Hmm. Or this guy talks this way about God and Jesus, so I'm going to do that. So really my faith when I was that age was very much borrowed. And so when I kind of struck out on my own at like 18 or 19, it all sort of just fell apart because there was no real foundation to begin with. And so that's when I kind of started to rebuild uh, or maybe even build for the first time a real relationship with Jesus and God and, and how I see all that. Um, sure. I read this book called Blue Like Jazz by Donald Miller, uh, which I highly recommend for anybody that's kind of experiencing that stuff. You know, he's a guy that grew up like Southern Baptist and very similar experience. Like it was just sort of this thing that was handed down to him. It wasn't really anything of his own. Right. And he had a very similar experience that I did. Um, at least in the terms of like trying to really own it. And so I did. So I started kind of rebuilding that when I was around like 18 or 19 and have been um, doing crazy stuff since. So, yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So you didn't grow up with the church, but did you, did you grow up with a controller in your hand? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, my Much to the chagrin of my parents – my grandparents bought me and my brother uh, an NES, mm. like, I don't know, it would have been the 90s probably. I mean, we were always kind of behind the times a little bit, but I, re- I mean, I was old enough to remember it, so I was probably four, mm-hmm. four or five. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we did like, uh, we, it came with uh, the Mario Duck Hunt combo cartridge. I still have um, mine. Yeah. I my parents got rid of all that stuff and I hate them for it. Oh no! Um, so yeah, we started out playing that. We had Mario Two. Um, we had the gold cartridge Zelda that we played <sighs> the heck out of. Um, and I remember like probably my first RPG, which is kind of like my real true love, mm-hmm. was uh, I think like one of the Dragon Warrior games, like Dragon Warrior Four, maybe. Okay, yeah. Um, and. So then from there, I went, one of my greatest regrets in life is I opted to go Sega Genesis instead of SNES. Okay. Um, I remember, because my parents, my whole life, even to this day, uh, they do not get video games. They don't like video games. They are not okay with video games at all, uh, which is pretty funny considering what I've done with my life at this point. Um, Yeah. But when I... Uh, I wanted to get a Sega, and so I 
my parents gave me an allowance of like $10 a week or something. And so I put a Sega on layaway at Kmart. Um, and do you know what layaway is? I found out that some people don't know what layaway is. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. That the, would make uh, me feel old. Really random, but in high school, like Kmart in my hometown used to have, still have layaway. Yeah. So I thought it'd be really funny to put a pack of pencils on layaway. <laughs> and they let me. And pay a penny like a week or something? Yeah. I thought I felt really bad because I forgot about it. <laughs> you are not the only person to forget about something in layaway. I guarantee that. <laughs> anyway, so I put it on layaway. I my allowance was like ten bucks a week. You know, the Sega at that time was like one hundred and ten dollars. Hmm. And so every week I'd go in and put ten dollars down on my Sega. And after you know ten or however eleven many eleven weeks, I got my Sega with Sonic. Um, okay, I was one of my say, greatest what was the first game you ever bought. Yeah, it was Sonic. Son- well, Sonic came with it at yeah. that time. And so I played Sonic. I was terrible at it. I hated it. Um, and then I just rented games all the time. Like, I don't think I owned many games at all. I would just rent them. Okay. Um, from either Blockbuster or like our local stores. Uh, rented Shining Force a lot. So what and was- back then, you know, you would, you would rent the game and it, you know, it saved the games to the cartridge. And yeah. so you would either have to beat the game in the time that you rented it. Or pray to God that when you went to rent it again, somebody didn't delete your save file. Mm-hmm. And so that was always what I would try to do is like <laughs> you know, get as far as I could in the four days that I had it and then take it back. And then just and then hope. hopefully the next time I rented it, it would still have my save file, which never, ever happened. Do you remember so, what the first game you bought that you enjoyed was? You bought it. And oh, you were like, man. This is awesome. I don't. I, no. I just can't remember... If you're buying you're any games for, for Sega. But yeah, I mean, Shining Force, like that sticks out to me as the game of my Sega Genesis career. Okay. Was the first Shining Force, the second, like both of them I played to death. Um, what would you say is your favorite game of all time? Oh, man. <laughs> There's a lot of them. I'm almost obligated to say Destiny because I have about four. 1500 hours okay yeah between well f- like 1400 hours in destiny one and destiny two has not been as much of a hit with me mm-hmm. um but i'm almost obligated just because of how much time i've invested in it but um i mean i'm a big final fantasy fan like all the final fantasy games uh yeah. breath of the wild i've never been a zelda fan really like not that i didn't like it i just never played them because i didn't have nintendo you know i went NES, Sega, PlayStation on. Okay. So yeah. I missed I missed N sixty four. I missed Ocarina of Time. Oh, like I missed all game. those. Um, but I recently, you know, I got a Switch and started with Breath of the Wild. And you know, when I started playing it, or like before I got it, and I saw all these, you know, ten out of ten, ten out of ten, best game ever, yada yada. I'm like, okay, guys, like calm down. It's a this Nintendo nostalgia. <laughs> yeah, it's just nostalgia. Like I get it. That's cool. It's a great game. But like. We need to calm down. And I mean, in the first five minutes of playing that game, mm-hmm. absolutely merited. Like, every single review it got, totally warranted. Have you played it? Yeah, yeah. My, oh, uh, yeah. I've grown up a Zelda fan. My wife has never played a Zelda game before. I think she played Skyward Sword for a little bit, but she didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, and no one should. <laughs> uh, and she's, she was she got all the shrines in Breath of the Wild. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess I'm not I, a real fan because not I even that. I petered out. I I probably put like 80 hours into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great game. And I only had 
I only had like half the shrines. I didn't even beat it. Um, I mean, I did all the divine beasts, um, and did a bunch of the DLC stuff, but never ended up beating it. I just kind of petered out on it. I'm sure I'll get back to it someday. The um, champion of the ballad of champions, really great DLC. I did half of it. Okay. So I did the first two sections and then petered out again. <laughs> So I'm getting a lot more ADD in my later years with gaming. It used to be like I never understood people that could play multiple games at once. I was never yeah. that person. Like I would get one game and I would drill down into that thing until I was done and then I'd move on to the next thing. But more and more, like as I get older, I don't know why, I've just have become more like schizophrenic or spastic or something <laughs> when it comes to games. I'm very linear when it comes to video games. It's straight yeah. through. Yep. One game to the next, but yeah, cool. So, so yeah, that's my gaming history. I'm now I have a PS4. Um, I'm playing Destiny Two again. The expansion just came out. Yep. War Mine. So I've been playing on that. Um, and actually, just got over the weekend. I got Wizard of Legend. Just came out. I haven't heard um, of that. It's uh, it's like a rogue. Um, what's they call roguelite game? Yeah. Um, and super fun. Like it's okay. just. It's a lot of fun. I have it for the Switch. I don't think I would enjoy it. There's some games I'm finding that I play on the Switch and really enjoy, but mm-hmm. I don't think I would enjoy them if they were on PlayStation. There's yeah. just something about the handheld nature of it or like being able to take it and go. There's just different kinds of games. So like Nino Kuni 2 mm-hmm. you know, just came out for PS4. Loved the fr- I mean, the first Nino Kuni, I was like all in, man. I freaking I think everyone was. Game. Yeah. And the second one came out, so I was super psyched, excited for it. The combat revamp that they did, I was most excited about because I wasn't crazy about the combat in the first one. Okay. Um, and I got it for PlayStation, you know, pre-order all that jazz, and just not a fan. But what I kept telling myself is that if that game was on the Switch, I would not put it down. Because there's just something about it mm. to me that feels like more lighthearted or more like... I don't know. It's weird. I can't really explain it, but I wish it was on the Switch. That's the moral of the story. Yeah. I, there's a lot of games, <laughs> I feel like, especially with more indie developers, where yes. if it's on the Switch, it's yep. it would be wonderful. Yeah. But, you know, Destiny, I'm not going to play Destiny on the Switch. That, to me, feels like a game that's like, I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to dig in for an hour or two at least. Right. Um, and that's something that I'm going to play on my PS4. But Yeah, I mean, I can't I imagine know, playing like, God of War. On right, a Switch either. Yeah. Which I still haven't played, so please don't say anything. I cannot tell you, that game has been built up so far. Like, I, I'm going to have the absolute most unrealistic expectations for that game. So it better, but it better uphold it is everything that's game. been said about it. So, we'll <laughs> see. That's, that's been my life for the last few weeks, is God of War. Yeah. I'm waiting for a friend to finish it. Okay, And cool. he's going to let me borrow it. Nice. He should, so. he should be done by now. Tell him that. <laughs> uh, he is slow and steady wins the race, apparently, because he's taken forever. Okay. But he's also got kids and stuff, so he doesn't have as much time as me. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you... I talk about the gaming world. Uh, do you get do you geek about, out about anything else? Anime? Uh, are you a movie buff? Um, TV? My biggest things are video games and board games. Board games, okay. Um... Yeah, and honestly, lately, probably more so board games even than video games. Um, 
So, but yeah, anime, I mean, I've dabbled enough in most things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anime, like I, I went through a Bleach phase where I watched a ton of Bleach. This was back before it was even finished, though. So, right. I mean, this was like, oh my gosh, 10, 13 years, 12 years ago. I don't know. that. I never even finished it. I mean, we got through to like... I don't know, 150 episodes or however Bleach many. Bleach has I mean, got hundreds of episodes now. Outrageous amount <laughs> of episodes. Uh, I watched the first season of Attack on Titan. Still haven't watched the second. I just started um, watching the second season. It yeah. is off-putting, but <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. When I first started watching the first season, I'm like, man, this is this is Game of Thrones anime version. Like, they're not freaking messing around. Um. But I've just, yeah, I've kind of been all over the place, but I would say mostly video games and board games. Okay, cool. So. So we mentioned earlier, uh, you worked at Game Church. Game Church is one of the bigger geek in general, pop culture, Christian ministries in my mind. I I don't know very many others that, uh, you know, are as big and doing as much as Game Church is doing. What was your role in that and how did you even get started with game change um so it was kind of an interesting story the way i got involved you Mm -hmm. know i was working for this church in arizona that i helped to start right um you know i was there for seven years and you know i've like i've talked about i've been a gamer nerd my whole life and i've always felt the tension between those two things the tension of being a christian and also being in this nerd space yeah. Um, and not tension that I felt like they couldn't coexist, but tension from other people. Yeah. Tension from the church. From yeah. Stigmas and, you know, the, the sort of marginalization of that culture. And so I did always feel like I had to kind of keep that part of me separate. You know, I could still do it, but I just shouldn't talk about it too much or I shouldn't, yeah. you know, bring it up too much. Like, let's just kind of keep that tucked away. But there's <laughs> always this burden that I had. Because, you know, part of my story is, you know, what what I really feel um, Jesus leading me to is a, is a sense of purpose for my life. You know, when I was, I can still remember so clearly a time when, you know, I was really deep into WOW and literally my, my life consisted of working a job so that I could pay for my WOW subscription <laughs> and then basically eating and sleeping and rating, you know. Okay. And that sucked. That's not a life. Right. That wasn't a life. And when I really started to re-meet Jesus and see that there was a greater purpose of of being love to people, um, I I wanted that for everyone else. I wanted all these other people out there that were experiencing those same feelings of depression and doubt that I was, I wanted them to know about this greater thing. Uh, that exists. And so that burden has been there in me for for a very long time. But yet I just never knew how it could manifest itself, what that would look like. Um, And it wasn't until I started getting towards the end of my time with that church um, that the burden became too great to ignore anymore. Um, Specifically, I started getting involved in League of Legends um, okay. This was right around the end of the first season of League of Legends, so it was early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitch was just becoming a thing, you know. 
that was exploding and you had these these kids i mean they were 18 years old streaming to 40,000 people making stupid amounts of money yeah and largely they were idiots i mean <laughs> they but i don't even blame them because i'd have done the same thing if i was 18 playing video games for a living and people were throwing money at me i would have acted like an ass too right and so i don't even blame them really but it just got me thinking about like man what would it look like to have somebody in that position that could leverage it for good, that could leverage it in a positive way. And I'm not even talking like a Tim Tebow kind of thing, but just somebody that would use it in a way to point back to who Jesus is. Hmm. And so that really got my wheels turning. And basically what happened is I decided that I was going to resign my position from the church, not for any bad reasons. Everything was actually the church was as healthy as it had ever been. Okay. Um, but I just couldn't ignore this call anymore. And so I ended up resigning. Literally, my plan was to just get some nine to five job that I could clock in and clock out to pay bills. Mm-hmm. And then in my spare time, pursue this sort of gaming ministry thing. Okay. And really what that looked like at that time was my league team. I had created a team of four other people. Um, from all over the country, and I just started oh, cool. pouring into those guys and building relationships with them, and um, just kind of being faithful in that. Did you have a team so, name at the time? We did. It was Till Kingdom Come. Okay. Um, I kind of hate the name now because it feels <laughs> a little corny to me. Uh, but back then, it was cool, and they all liked it too. I mean, none of them were Christian dudes, and they all liked it, so it was fine. Um, cool. But yeah, so that was the plan, and that's what I did. I resigned. Um, just kind of took a leap. And it wasn't until after I did that that I found out about Game Church. And mm-hmm. I remember we were uh, we were in Indiana at my parents' house, and I was just trolling, you know, scrolling through Facebook one day, and somebody recommended this book to me um, called "Of Games and God: A Christian Exploration of Video Games" by a guy named Kevin Schutt. Okay, I think I said his name right. Um, and he basically wrote this book, kind of about what I'd been feeling forever is how do these two things intersect? Right. And after reading the first chapter, I was ready to just like open mouth kiss the guy because he <laughs> was just saying everything that I'd ever thought. Cool. And so next step obviously was to cyber stalk him. So <laughs> I went on to Twitter and, uh, you know, followed him on there. And, and I'm kind of in this networking mode too. Of like, hey, are there other people out here like – talking about this or doing anything. Mm -hmm. And he followed this thing called game church. And it had this little like Catholic looking Jesus with a headset and a controller. And I'm like, I can get behind that for sure. So I went to the website, you know, I saw the articles and stuff they were doing there. And then I saw this, this page that said, join the team. I'm like, hell yeah, I want to get paid to do this. (laughs) And so I clicked it and little did I know that was the link for their mission strip. So I had to pay them to do it. And okay. so um, they were going to be at Phoenix Comic Con um, in a month. And that's where I lived at the time was in Arizona. And so I'm like, okay, a month, $1,000 that I have to raise to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never successfully fundraised money in my life. Right. And, you know, I was terrified to do it. My wife was super encouraging. She's like, hey, dummy, like this is what you've been talking about doing. And it's right here in front of you. And so I did it, I signed up, um, you know, I put it out there to my church and my, my friends, and my family, and ended up raising a thousand bucks in two weeks. 
and went there. And, you know, honestly, like I was most excited. I was excited to do the mission, you know, pass out Bibles to people and tell them Jesus loves them. But I was probably most excited to meet the game church guys. And because mm-hmm. I, I really never met anyone else that wanted to do this thing that I wanted to do. Okay, I felt yeah. pretty alone. Like I'd never met other people that wanted to kind of merge these two things and find ways to, to, um, be Jesus to that culture. It's crazy and how so, much the internet has kind of helped with that. I feel like sure. Or last yeah, few totally. years. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, getting to meet them and just talking shop with them and getting really excited and passionate and they, you know, I told them my story and, um, eventually one thing kind of led to another and they invited me to come out, um, you know, offered me a job, not, I mean, barely, barely a job. It's a nonprofit, so there's no money. Right. Um, but it was something to basically move out to California and start working full time. And so my job was then as missions coordinator. So I didn't know this, but I was actually the first missionary with game church. So when I looked at that page and they had this whole missions program and everything, they just made it look really good because there was no one that had signed up yet. I was the first person. Okay. Um, And so that kind of uniquely qualified me to start it, to start that program. And so in that first, you know, time before I came on, I think there was like six missionaries. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I came on and just started going after it full time. And in that first year after that, we had 40. And then the year after that, we had 80. And then pretty much every year after that, we were around 90 to 100 um, missionaries wow. that came on trips with us. So they'd go to a convention. They'd raise money to pay for the booth and the swag and the stuff we handed out, lodging, food. And we would tell people that Jesus loved them right where they were. Uh, we'd give them a bunch of free stuff, you know, our little gamer yeah. Bibles and, and all that. So I think I have one of your lanyards somewhere. Oh, cool. Right on. Um, <laughs> what uh, so yeah, what was the that. response uh, from conventions toward, <clears throat> towards your booth over the last few years? Great. Yeah. Honestly, it's hard to argue with Jesus loving you and free stuff. Yeah. Uh, but really, that, that was my biggest apprehension going into that very first trip mm-hmm. was because my experience had always been – um, not great. You know, the, I think by and large, the, uh, the perception that people have, like the nerds and people in nerd culture, the perception they have of Christians is not a good one. And I don't blame them for it because they've been pretty mistreated by Christians. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all you have to do is log into wow on Easter Christmas and you can see any number of just kind of, you know, hateful sort of stuff towards Christians. Mm -hmm. And so I thought going into this convention space that we'd be laughed out of the room or just argued out of the room or something else. But honestly, the opposite happened. And I really think that's down to how game church approaches things. Um, And that's very non-confrontational. It's very basic, very simple, very clear. Jesus loves you. Have some free stuff. Um, And it worked. I mean, people were we're all for it. I mean, people love the, the imagery, you know, humor does so much uh, to kind of break down barriers and break down people's walls and past hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, and really the response, I mean, it, it was 99% positive. I mean, every now and then you'd have somebody come by that was just too hurt <laughs> to right. see anything but red. Um, 
but those were very few and far between for sure. Oh, how do you handle the situations in a in a public area? The negative situations? Yeah. Uh, fist fighting. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Bare knuckle. Yeah. Get in the ring. Yeah. Um, we didn't engage it, honestly. Like, we were never there to argue. Yeah. Um, if people came... I mean, I literally had a guy come up to me one time. Um, I'm just sitting there at the booth. He beelines straight for me. And he says, what's Game Church's stance on homosexuality? And I'm like, holy, like, buy me dinner first. Like, let's <laughs> yeah. calm down, you know? And I'm like, hey, man, you know, really, we don't we don't have a stance. We're just here to tell you that Jesus loves you and okay. give you some free stuff. And he's like, cool, but what's Game Church's stance on homosexuality? And I'm like, honestly, man, we're not here for that. Like, if you want to know what I think about it, let's go out for a beer. You know, let's go out for dinner and we can talk till the sun yeah. comes up. But okay, cool. as far as Game Church is concerned, we're not here for that. We're not here to draw dividing lines. We're here to unify and bring people into the family. Um, so that was really the stance is that we don't have a stance and we're not here for that. Um, we're okay. just going to keep it simple and let those conversations happen within the context of a relationship, not just, you know, some two, a couple strangers that are just going to end up fighting about it for no reason. Yeah. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. So what would be your, your fondest memory as far as ministry so far? Whether it be game church or something else that you've done. Dude, that's hard, man. I have a lot of fond memories. It's hard freaking work. Um, yeah, I'm sure. But I would say, I mean, as far as game church is concerned, um, I could narrow it down to to one story. Okay. And that's of Jamila. And she won't mind me sharing this. I've shared it a lot and she's okay. cool with it. But uh, she came to the game church booth uh, several years ago, probably three or four years ago. And, uh, her and her husband came by the booth and it was just kind of a ha ha funny, funny. Let's take some of this stuff. Ironically, um, you know, grab some of it. She was actually a, uh, kind of a practicing conservative Muslim. Oh, okay. Uh, that's how she was raised, you know, Islam. And so, yeah, they took that stuff threw it in a bag and just forgot about it. So fast forward like a year or two and she was going through kind of this crisis of faith in her life where she didn't mm -hmm. really know that she believed what she believed anymore. And she was kind of wrestling just going back and forth and it's causing a lot of family tension because it was a big part of her family, obviously. Mm -hmm. And she had just gotten off the phone with her dad and had this really big blowout fight and she went home, she went down to the basement, she was looking for some alcohol to just kind of take the edge off and medicate. And as she's looking around for it, she sees the Gamer Bible down there. It's a little Game Church, you know, Gospel of John thing. Yeah. And she picks it up and she starts reading it. And she said after the first page, she was just in tears because she was going through this period where she felt like she didn't mean anything to anyone. Mm -hmm. And here she's reading in the pages of this book that she means everything to someone, and that's Jesus. And so she kept reading it. She goes back upstairs, and she takes that with her and leaves the alcohol behind. Basically, that kind of propelled her and her husband into a pursuit of Jesus. And they ended up finding a church locally. They got baptized, got involved wow. in their church. 
And then we don't hear any of this. Like this is during a period of like two or three years and we don't know any, like we saw them at a booth and they were just another face. I mean, we didn't know them by name or anything. And, you know, fast forward these years and we like made a post on social media or something like, Hey, when did you first see game church or how did you find us or whatever? Mm -hmm. And she shared this story. Like I could literally show you the screenshot. She shared this story on Twitter, I think. Okay. And we were like, holy crap, like that's right. freaking rad. Um, and so we ended up talking to her more and she got really involved in our Facebook community. And then lo and behold, her and her husband signed up for a missions trip. And it was to that same convention that they first met us. So it was really cool to see this whole thing kind of full circle where yeah. they started out on one side of the table and then ended up on the other side of the table serving other people and passing stuff out to other people and telling other people that simple truth that Jesus loves them. Um, that so is super cool. I would say that's that's probably my favorite. I have 8,000 more, um, but that would definitely be my favorite, I think. Cool. Yeah, you can definitely see God moving yep. through that. So you just – you revealed Love Thy Nerd, like, is it like two weeks ago? Like oh, it's been longer than that. I mean, yeah, like our logo. I think we threw our logo out there probably a few weeks ago. But um, okay, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like it's been, been very slow, progressive. Like, yeah, it's just it's not. It wasn't like a boom. Here's everything. I mean, this this whole past few months has been a, a whirlwind of <laughs> activity and I'm sure. change. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been a probably a month or so that we've kind of officially gone with that name and. Okay. You know, here's what we're doing and everything. Uh, so, so how would you define you know, what is Love Thy Nerd? So really Love Thy Nerd is kind of grew out of what we learned with Game Church. Um, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of people from Game Church that are now kind of embarking on this new thing. And so a lot of that DNA is still there. Um, mm-hmm. Just broader, I would say, uh, instead of just focused on gaming, like we really want to encompass, encompass nerd culture in general. Right. Um, but really, it's as simple as we want to be the love of Jesus to nerds and nerd culture. Um, I really think that the church has done not a great job at making one of, if not the largest, you know, subcultures in the world. Uh, the church hasn't done a great job with the whole, you know, love and acceptance thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is kind of what we're supposed to be about. And so really we want to get in there and tell a different story. You know, it's not uncommon to be at a convention, you know, big nerd convention and there's Christian protesters outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and some are mild, you know, they just stand there with like a picket sign that says some out of context scripture on it. Um, <laughs> yep. And then you go to the other extreme where you've got guys with bullhorns, like shouting at women that they're sluts and whores and whatever else. I mean, right. we've had moms come to us in tears because some guys shouted at their kids that they're going to hell because they're dressed like Superman or something. And that is the perception that people have of Christians because they're not dumb. They draw the lines. They say, oh, this guy's saying he's a Christian, which is supposed to mean little Christ. So then that must be what Jesus thinks about me. And so we're just trying to get in there and tell a different story, what we believe to be the true story. Uh, is that Jesus loves you no matter what. Even if you like DC, it's fine. Jesus <laughs> loves you uh, no matter what. So 
Cool. So yeah, and there's there's lots of ways that's going to happen. Um, we basically we kind of have what we're calling our Triforce. Uh, we can't actually call it that because we we'll probably get sued. Um, <laughs> but I can say it on here, I guess. Okay. And it's basically these three things that we will kind of be doing as an organization. Um, and they're not in any particular order necessarily, but right. one of those things is uh, thoughtful content creation. So we <laughs> want to create content not only for Christians. Um, I would say we'd probably even favor non-Christians, uh, but we will provide content for both um, to get people thinking about this culture and what it has to offer. You know, that could look like uh, articles about games and the meaningful moments in those games. You know, we're not going to do reviews. We're not going to do, you know, nine out of 10 and here the uh, soundtrack was cool and the graphics were great. We're not going to okay. do that stuff. Um, it's just going to be about highlighting the meaningful moments in games, things that spoke to us, things that talked about our life or our worldview or our faith or our family or our parents or God or whatever. Like we want to highlight those things because they're happening. I mean, games now are so sophisticated that you can really address those things. Um and we want to do it beyond, you know, beyond just games. We want to do that in any facet of nerd culture, um, you know, YouTube stuff. And we want to create parenting resources. You know, there, mm-hmm. I think there's as large as this culture is, the, the amount of resources for like parents is vastly underwhelming. Yeah. Uh, parents are lost, man. Like I imagine how my parents felt, you know, they didn't have a clue. Like they hated it. And they went the other extreme, which was to just be super strict and lock it down. And I think they missed out and I missed out on a lot of opportunities um, that could have benefited our relationship. I have a good relationship with my parents. I'm not saying I don't. But there could have been things that would have been really rewarding. Um, So thoughtful content creation. Uh, The next arm is uh, relational missions. You know, we want to be out there building relationships with people that have been cut off from the church or cut off from God or cut off from other people. And we want to welcome them into the family and in a relational way. We're not out there to, to win souls or put a notch on our Bible, you know, for all the people we converted. Uh, we just want to welcome people into a family and love them uh, in relationship with us. That mm-hmm. hopefully leads to a relationship with their father. Um and then the last thing is uh, is intentional community, and that's kind of obviously closely linked with the missions piece. But you know, one thing that that was so wonderful uh, when we were part of Game Church was Game Church City in our Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, that just became such a thriving, wonderful community of people. We've heard so many cool stories from people about what that's meant for them, and you know, people that would say, "I only have Facebook for this for this group." <laughs> um, I'm one of those, by the way, and. <laughs> Uh, that's just really cool. And I think there's a lot of unique things that can happen in an online community. Uh, now, obviously, there's things that can't happen in an online community. And so we want to develop those in-person interactions as well as much as we can. But right. um, we really believe that an online community, especially for gamers and nerds, can be kind of a first step for people that you know normally feel really awkward in social situations or have a lot of anxiety in big group settings where in an online setting they can start to kind of get their feet wet um, and, and be more comfortable in that way. So those are kind of our main three things, thoughtful content creation, relational missions, intentional community. Um, and I'm sure that will grow, you know, that's, that's a starting point, but I think those three things are what we're really passionate about for sure. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, you talk about content. I know, so you can get the, where can you, where can people find love thy nerd at right now? 
So right now, like we're just getting started. We're barely yeah. off the ground. I mean, we have a name, we have a logo, <laughs> uh, we have a Facebook group. You know, you can search "Love Thy Nerd" uh, on Facebook and find us there. Um, and we're still even figuring out what that group's going to look like and how that group's going to function. Mm-hmm. Um, and our website, we're still working with our designer right now um, to get our website up and going. It will be up um, within the next month or two. Uh, okay. Because we're going to Gen Con as press, and so we're going to have, uh, we'll have our website by then. Gen Con's in August. Um, okay. But if you go, I mean, if you were to go to lovethynerd.com right now, it would just redirect you to our Facebook group. Um, right. So that would be the place right now to kind of get get plugged in. And you can read, I mean, there's tons of posts in there about what we're doing and the progress we're making. You know, we're in the process now of establishing our 501c3 and all that boring crap with the government. Mm-hmm. Um so, so yeah, we're just kind of getting rolling, but there's still a lot of stuff happening for sure. Cool. And you do have a podcast. Yeah, we have a couple actually. Um, okay. So we have, uh, I forgot to mention those in the content piece, but we have our free play podcast, which is kind of a community based podcast uh, where it's just a lot. Uh, those guys are hilarious. And maybe it's just because I know them and I'm biased, but I think okay. they're just legitimately hilarious people. Um, and they just talk about things that are happening now, kind of in the gaming world. They'll talk about things that are happening within our community. Um, and they just have a really good time and I have a great time listening to them. And then we also have our humans of gaming podcast, uh, which I'm a co-host for. Mm -hmm. And with that podcast, we invite, uh, game developers, people in the industry, journalists, whatever, uh, we invite them on the podcast and we try to drill down to the human person behind it. You know, I okay. think there, unfortunately, a very negative aspect of gaming culture is uh, just toxicity and the treatment of game developers. You know, this game didn't have X, Y, Z feature. And so I hate these developers and I'm going to send them death threats over Twitter. You know, these are things that actually happen. Right. And there's, I think, in general, a dehumanization of the people behind these things we consume. And so we wanted to do this, start this podcast to kind of pull back the curtain and say, hey, like, there's actual breathing flesh and bone humans behind this media that we consume. Um, so we basically just get them on there and we just ask them questions about their life about what they believe in, where they grew up, what their family's like, um, you know, what their religious beliefs are. Um, and we just kind of dig into some of that stuff. We talk about games. I mean, that's going to happen because we're nerds. Um, but we really want to kind of drill down to some of that meteor stuff and, and help people, you know, broaden their perspective about, about this world. So, uh, so yeah, that's cool. our, that's our two podcasts. Awesome. And where can they find you at if anyone has any more questions? Uh, me, personally, Facebook's probably the best. Um, just search Chris Gwaltney uh, or, cool. you know, facebook.com slash clgwaltney, I think it is. Uh, you can email me, chris at lovethynerd.com. Um, so, yeah, either of those. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. Yeah, for, uh, Talking to me for a little bit. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and you can always find me on Twitter at Cody Armor. Uh, we're going to end it there. Some closing, keep gaming, keep praying, and God bless. Mm-hmm.